Welcome to episode 48 of the My Parents Office podcast. I am your host, Andrew Diaz. Today we have a great interview with Coach Jesse Peters, host of the CT High School Hockey Podcast with Coach Peters. Awesome interview talking about the hockey community in Connecticut and how those high schools have been affected. Um, he's got a great podcast going right now, so go give that a, go check that out after this episode. Um, so the interview's coming up right now. Then after that, Brett and I get into some prop bet stuff to go off of what our uh, finals brackets looked like the last episode. So stay tuned for that. And then we get a free agency recap um, after the first big day of signings. So stay tuned for the interview right now. Thank you. Now joining the show, we have on Coach Jesse Peters. He is a member of CT High School Hockey, the CT High School Hockey team, and the host of the High School Hockey Podcast with Coach Peters. Coach, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. Great to talk with you. I'm excited. Um, so you start, how long has the High School Hockey Podcast been going? My, I started my podcast this year, and then Luke, who runs CTHS Hockey, he's mm-hmm. been doing podcasting and blogging for years. It goes all the way back to when he was a student at Quinnipiac, and he did some blogging for the men's team, and then his love for the game turned into the CTHS Hockey stuff, and I believe they started around 2011, 2012, right around there. Okay, so how has the podcast been going now? Um, because I know you like you have different players on the show. How has that whole experience been for you? It's been amazing because Luke does his main podcast, which is the Road to the Whale podcast, which he does covers the entire state. So oh, okay. what I want to do in more of like a bar stoolish kind of f- format is having offshoot of that and that's what basically my podcast is it's you know um it's under the umbrella of cths hockey it's just something different that we do so i started the coach uh, high school hockey podcast with coach peters this year and the focus was just to bring on players and have uh just some loose conversations give and take talks about their high school hockey experiences what their season's looking like and then uh we always wrap it up with some uh fun and games at the end some rapid fire stuff that's totally offbeat so it's been, it's just been a blast. What's been the, the general, the general buzz with the players you have on, especially we all know what's going on with COVID. It's been a bummer of a season. Um, so what's been the kind of the general, like what every player comes on and kind of says to you about how their season's been. So the interesting with COVID and we've asked a bunch of players, like what's the experience been? And I feel like the best part of it is everybody's really adapted and uh, everybody's really embraced the fact that these are the things that we're going to have to abide by to have a season. So right now, for those of the listeners that don't know, Connecticut did a 12 game shortened season without a state tournament and they have a, a tournament experience they're calling it at the end of that 12 game season where each conference will have their own playoffs and that'll kind of wrap up the season so each conference will name their conference championship uh, champions rather than having a division one two and three traditional uh, high school hockey season so that's kind of how the season's going but the kids have embraced it I mean I think they're just happy that they're able to play there have been some teams put on quarantine unfortunately Uh, at last count I think there was probably like around 10 plus teams on quarantine teams have been coming off of quarantine and then returning to play rescheduling some games but that's been the biggest uh, adjustment the kids uh, 
responding to what they have to do to get on the ice and then uh, the team's going on quarantine and then coming off and rescheduling and moving games around. But Hey, we're hockey, we're hockey people. So we adapt and overcome. And it's just been really a good experience as far as that. That's awesome. So how you mentioned how you started the, or you became, you joined the CTHS team um, before this, did you do any type of, podcasting, blogging, journalism around high school hockey? Um, so I wrote a couple different um, pieces for at CTHS Hockey. Um, prior to doing the CTHS Hockey stuff, I was a coach for, at the high school level for 16 years, and I've been uh, a college coach now at the ACHA or club level uh, for the last three years up at Westfield State. Then I kind of j- jumped on to the CTHS hockey thing after I stopped coaching at the high school level. Luke asked me to come on board. It, we had a, uh, a good rapport before as a coach. And then I, I did some journalism stuff. I wrote um, Confessions of a Co-op Kid, which is still up on the uh, at cthshockey.org site. And that was kind of a personal memoir of what high school hockey meant to me. Some of the struggles I went on, uh, went through early in my life. Uh, I had a very good friend who played at Fermi High School, David Emmerich. He passed away in a car accident when I was uh, 16 years old um, and then uh, how the high school uh, how the hockey community overall uh, after playing high school came together my mom passed away when uh, I was 21 she had cancer and then I kind of had to take step in and take care of my brothers I go through a lot of that and how hockey was intertwined and how hockey is just such a great uh, sport for that and then I did the uh, online tweeting so that's what CTHS hockey does we go to these games we kind of live broadcast live tweet the games out get these kids mm-hmm. some attention because kids nowadays they don't cut out articles out of the paper you know what i mean andrew right. is more like tweets and retweets is is yeah. uh yesteryear's newspaper clippings so we try to give these guys um some promotion that way we try to get their names out there that way um give them attention the way that they would through social media that way and then so after this year with covid i was like you know what? i've always wanted to do a podcast let me just try this out my wife buys me a little bit of a home setup and uh, off we are i just uh figured it out through different uh you know, YouTube searches. Unfortunately, yeah. that's how we all do our research nowadays and uh, internet searches. And uh, I, I kind of just put it together and talked to Luke and he was all on board and we started having the players on and there we go. And that it's been uh, just a load of fun ever since. I've actually had some girls on the last uh, couple of weeks. So I had some specials with some girls on. I want to continue to do that and bring some attention to the girls game and bring attention to the, to the, to the boys side as well. That's why we're into this is just to get guys up to the next level, get their names out there, get them uh, the accolades that they deserve and, and the attention that they deserve for putting on the show that they put on for us. I mean, that's some great high school hockey. What's your overall thought on high school hockey in Connecticut? And because I think a lot of high school sports that aren't football, basketball, or baseball, the numbers have decreased because I wrestled in high school. You know, I noticed that rest, a lot of teams around the state don't have big teams and kind of the same with hockey is you see a lot of co-ops. What's your thoughts on sports like that, that have kind of maybe struggled with numbers? I know Southern part of the state, they're fine with hockey, but when you look in the North, like Enfield, Summers area, this area of the state, it doesn't seem like numbers are, are a huge thing. What's your thoughts on that? 
two things on that. I, I come from the original first co-op ever in uh, high school sports, which is Tritown. So I'm, I'm uh-huh. totally impartial to co-ops. I was on the first team, skated in the first game, you know, I had a hand in the first goal. So I'm always going to be partial to co-ops because I think that that provides an outlet for kids who normally would not have an outlet to be able to play high school sports. So I'm all for that. The other thing is, though, if you if you look at me and, and you're an Enfield person, so if I said to you uh, 10 years ago or to your dad or somebody in Enfield 10, 15 years ago, Fermi High and Enfield High are going to have a hockey team and they're going to be together, somebody oh, would have said, how much drugs did you do and why we need to get you to the emergency room immediately? Because that was one of the best rivalries in the state of Connecticut. So uh, over the course of time, um, just through – uh, yeah, I don't know if it's financial because uh, hockey is obviously a very expensive sport, mm-hmm. but we've just seen the numbers kind of dwindle. But then it's just kind of an ebb and flow with hockey. The numbers have started to rise. I know at the youth level, Enfield Youth Hockey has some good numbers at the lower ages. Um, very exciting uh, stuff going on with Mascon, who skates out of the Enfield Twin Rinks. Paul Doe just bought that organization, a close friend of mine. There's going to be a lot of changes in that. Uh, so you're going to see a, a booming uh, youth program go on over there and kind of a renaissance for the uh, MassCon. Uh, he didn't purchase, sorry, I, uh, I got to walk that back. He's president. He was named president of hockey okay. operations for MassCon. He didn't purchase the organization. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, so you're going to see, you're seeing some things kind of go in the positive flow. That has a lot to do with the high school end. As you know, if we get kids interested early, then we start to get the numbers at the high school level because that filters all the way up. And uh, so that's, you know, there's also... The third part of that is, uh, you know, there's a lot of options. You know, there's more mm-hmm. options today than there were back in the day. I mean, kids can go on, play, be on gaming teams now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's lacrosse is out there, which is mm-hmm. just boomed in the area. So there's so many options for kids that, you know, hockey is maybe not an option. It just gets, it doesn't get picked as much. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm trying to do everything I can to promote the sport uh, at every level. So that, well, you, you, know, you mentioned lacrosse too. I mean, you're seeing a lot of the sports bubbles kind of repurposed. They used to just kind of be soccer. Now you're seeing they use it for indoor lacrosse. Um, when I was in, when I played youth football, I played indoor football in the winter. So I think a lot of kids are just picking maybe one sport and kind of just sticking with it. Baseball is a huge one. Kids play that year round. And then, so I think maybe a lot of kids won't try different sports because it's like, well, why would I do something? Why would I play two different sports where I could just get good at one sport? And that's the hard part, uh, Andrew, is that hockey, you have to start very young usually. It's yeah. usually an anomaly if somebody starts a sport late and is good at it. And it's costly, like we had said before, and the options. So, I mean, I guess right there, you're kind of just seeing that's kind of what's going on with hockey. It, there used to be upwards of 60 teams in the state of Connecticut. And I know as of right now, they're in the fifties. So you're seeing teams go. Um, fortunately in Connecticut, we, we did have a, a new team pop up in the area. Rocky Hill had a Renaissance. So they yeah. have a program back. WMRP, who is Weathersfield, they mm-hmm. became a co-op for a short period of time. And now they've separated and they've created two teams. That's really what yeah. you want to see happen with the co-ops. That was the original goal with the co-ops. Unfortunately, my old team, Tritown, they've stayed a co-op. Mm-hmm. So, but the original plan with the co-op program was to have them get to a point where each school would be able to field their teams and to build out uh, high school hockey. So you're seeing some of that. Suffield um, actually had too many kids and they uh, they chose not to play in the state tournament. 
rather than expand and create another team, EO Smith kind of did the same recently. So they've chosen not to stay a co-op but not be eligible for the state tournament because they feel down the road, they're not going to be able to sustain a single team. Uh, okay. So it's kind of, it's kind of a, a weird situation, especially with hockey and football is the same because there's a lot of numbers. So you see a lot of co-ops over on the football side as well. Yeah. I mean, we're the part of the state we're in, I think of it pretty much as co-op central, you're right. seeing it with a lot of football teams like Granby and Canton. They just combined recently. Um, you have Stafford, East Windsor, and Summers are a co-op. And they've been very successful. That Stafford program's done very yeah. well. I follow them. Uh, you know, I follow, uh, like you said, uh, the Enfields, uh, you know, they're, they're, they've become a co-op or, you know, they've joined with mm-hmm. Fermi. So in my mind, that's co-op, uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I th- if, it, if it gets, the, how about this? If it gets the kids on the field, I'm all for it. Yeah, the more kids you that will participate, the better off the sport is going to be uh, yep. just down the road. There's a, 10, a nine or ten team co-op in hockey, ECE, Eastern Connecticut Eagles, and they uh, yeah. are, they're just a great group. They're a great group. Unfortunately, their um, conference wouldn't allow them to play because of the number of teams, mm-hmm. so their season has been postponed. Um, so they're actually not allowed to play high school hockey this season, but they're – playing at the youth level as a team which is just <laughs> just a weird Insane. weird weird scenario but they're playing at the youth level against other youth high school aged kids so but i've had some of them on my podcast as well you know they talked about what they're going through yeah that's definitely a, probably a really good perspective to hear from them because they they see kids from every other part of the state playing at least getting pretty much just a little bit of the taste of playing real hockey again. And they're just stuck at home. Kind of like this sucks. Like we can't compete right now. Yeah, they were, they were bumming. They were bumming, but they are two really good kids I had on and they just talked. It was great. A great conversation to to get the insider's perspective of what it's like to be affected by a pandemic. And from a, from a high school kid's point of view, it's, it was really good, a good interview. Now, how have you as a journalist kind of adapted? Are you still able to go to games where you can live tweet stuff out um, because I feel like that's definitely big with crowds being limited. Um, so have you been able to still do that? Fortunately for us, uh, Luke uh, DeVoe over at CTHS hockey, he's the at CTHS hockey, the, you know, you know, no, with no handle at the end, but uh, he gets those press credentials through CIAC. So we are able to go to games and live tweet through games, but there's been a lot of live barn. There's been a lot of uh, uh, broadcasting through YouTube and stuff. So we, you know, we're not weird occasion to see us with two or three monitors, you know, watching a couple different games to be able to get, the, get the word out. That's know? pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we we love it. So live, but I don't know if you live barn, but real quick, live barn just gives you a live view of the rink on an automated camera that goes by motion sensor. So we kind of watch the games that way. That's pretty cool. Um, so I look hockey to me is a very odd sport when you look at the collegiate level because, like, I got recruited. I'm playing college football, and it's very you play high school football and you either don't go to college or you play. Division three, division two, or division one, or there's the very, the 1% that goes the junior college route and transfers out. Uh Hockey, you see kids play juniors and then they go to college when they're older. Um, And that's really the only sport that does that. Uh So, what I, I, I just kind of talking to somebody that's big into the sport of hockey. I just kind of wanted to talk to you about that because it's very confusing seeing kids that are 22 year old freshman at uh, 
Division One programs. Yeah, I had some 21-year-old freshmen on my uh, ACHA team as well. So what ends up ha- happening, Andrew, is that uh, kids usually make a choice uh, at high school or just before high school level, whether they're going to go on to play in high school. Some kids mm-hmm. will play high school for a year or two, and then they'll choose either the junior hockey route or they'll choose the uh, prep school route. Then okay. what happens with prep school is sometimes they'll go off and they'll have to repeat a season, repeat a mm-hmm. year. So they'll leave as a sophomore and they'll go back and repeat their sophomore year. So they'll go sophomore, junior, senior. And then sometimes they add a, uh, another PG year. So then that's how the ages start to accelerate. Then if you go the junior route, again, there's so many layers of juniors. Um, you know, there's the NA3HL, the NAHL. I mean, I could go on through these leagues in their ge- geographies, but you kind of get the, the picture is that there's so many layers of juniors that these kids end up playing out all their junior options. And then it gets to a breaking point where, uh, you know, they maybe went to prep school. Now they're playing a year of juniors because they might have one more option left or they went to high school and they ended up finishing high school going to juniors or you know all these roots kind of intertwine to the point where you're at the 20 21 year old level and you have to decide where what are you going to do if you didn't get an offer at the d3 level or you didn't get an offer at the d1 level d2 is really not an option in hockey it's weird but there's really only d1 and d3 there's a handful of d2 teams anyways but if you don't get an, an offer at that level then you know you're looking at acha which is club club hockey so, and the, the level of club hockey is unbelievable. I can't stress that enough after being a high school coach, because if you think about it this way, all of that talent now gets pushed down. There's only so many spots and there's so many good hockey players. We get so many players that probably either are capable of playing at the D3 level or do have actual D3 experience. I've had, I've coached three years at Westfield state. I've had all three years, at least one, one player with D3 experience who's formerly a D3 player. Yeah, I was going to say, because with the limited amount of teams across the nation, because it's not like basketball where there's 350 Division One teams, uh-huh. um, and then you still have that Division Two and Division Three, you just have a handful of D1 teams, D3, and then club. So I can only imagine, I think when people hear club or Division Three, people on the outside of the sport would probably shit on it and say like, oh, you're only playing club hockey. But it's like, no, you don't understand that the, like you said, the talent level just gets pushed right down to that club level and it's high caliber kids. Plus throw in all that geography. There's kids coming from all over the world. There's kids on Westfield State's D3 team from Europe. That's insane. Okay. So what, you know, I had interest at the club level from players that were from Europe. So, I mean, and you see it across the ACHA level. So it's super, super competitive. And like I tell my guys, you know, sometimes we're the end of the road for guys. They're 21 years old. They've played out their last junior option. They either got an injury or they didn't get the offers at the D3 level that they want. And now this is where they are. They're at Westfield State and they're, and they're with – I've had upwards of 50 to 60 guys trying out for my ACHA team. I refuse to call a club because I feel like that doesn't do it justice. Right. So I call it, you'll always hear me call it ACHA because that's the primary um, number one club hockey uh, sanctioning body out there. Now, who do you guys play at the club level? Like who was in your club conference? So, yeah, we're actually over in the NECA uh, conference and we're actually in the South division. 
and uh, we have a lot of good teams that we play against. Eastern Connecticut State is in our conference. Con College is in our conference. Um, I know I'm going to leave some out, but uh, who else do we have up in our conference? Uh, Keene State is in our uh, – not Keene State. Um, Bridgewater State is in our conference. Um, and then uh, we had Roger Williams in our conference. And Roger Williams, for those uh, of you out there that don't know, they're probably one of the top club teams in the Northeast. They're ranked nationally basically every year. Yeah. They don't have a D3 team at their school, so they are the, they're the show. You know, they treat that team like the division one team and good for them. It's, and that's our, you know, probably our number one rival and everybody else in the conference. We lost to them in the uh, conference championship game last year. Jesus. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And we qualified for uh, regionals for the first time in uh, many, many years. And we ended up going out there and we lost uh, in the first round, but it was just a great experience. So where were regionals? Like, how does that work once you get out of your conference? You, you get ranked nationally and then uh, based on the national rankings, they, they qualify you for regionals. If you break it out of regionals, you go to nationals. And uh, I think last year nationals were in Frisco, Texas, I believe. That's all. That must be a pretty sweet experience heading down there and playing the top teams in the country. Yeah, we actually made it. We went over to New. We played up in Keene, New Hampshire, Keene Ice. So it was a great experience for us to get together as a team and just go out there, have an overnight trip. And even though the results weren't what they were, um, you know, everybody on that team was basically with me the first year I took over, and I took over a two-win team. So uh, we were ranked nationally the entire season last year. So we we've done uh, some good stuff. I was looking over at the two trophies I have on my bar, so that's why I was looking at our conference. So that's <laughs> good stuff. You know, what I mean, good memories. That's awesome. Yeah. I never, so in high school, like I knew that I knew like the difference between like division one, division three and club, but I never really knew it. And then uh, I go to mass maritime. We have a hockey team. I went to one of their games yep. and club. Um, I think we played Bridgewater and I was like, this is legit hockey. Like the, there's really, you can, you see the talent at this level of mm-hmm. these kids um, and it's no joke. So I, I wish more people realized that 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 level of uh, ACHC, it's ACHC, right? Not ACHA, yeah, ACHA. is yep. as legit as people say it is. We actually did some press releases in the local paper in Westfield, and we actually started to get a turnout because we don't charge anything for admission. We got a lot of youth players that came out. You know, winning helps to solve all that as well. You know, we got ranked nationally, and guys, people started to come out. Guys on the campus started to get interested, girls. And, uh, you know, it's the word started to travel. So it's all about what you make of it, Andrew. I mean, uh, you know, if once you start winning games and, and people start seeing that you're legit, people start seeing the names and where they had played, you know, we had some former D3 players. We had a kid, a kid from North Carolina. We kid from Tennessee. We have, uh, you know, we're, we're from all over the country. So you're not just getting local talent. We did have some good local players as well, but we had talent from all over the United States, Northeast, basically playing for us. And, and people got excited about it. And I'm really happy with where we are right now. We have a great recruiting class. Uh, we took advantage during COVID to get a really nice recruiting class together. So I'm pumped for next year. Um, uh, we have a great assistant coach on board for next year, Cam Calculus. He's Calculus. He's one of my uh, former players. I'm just excited to roll it out. That's off. That's great to hear. Um, how do you in season? How are you going to try to balance? Because I know this year has been very, un, very unconventional. How do you plan to balance coaching with doing the podcast and 
like live tweeting about games and writing about these games. Treating my wife as nicely as possible. Uh, um you know uh it's gonna be difficult uh to say the least but uh it's a it's a labor of love so i always find time to do it late nights uh you know until two in the morning uh doing editing for the podcast but uh it's worth it because uh this year and uh, you know um i was able to do that initiative with getting the um scholarship up and, and uh, we were able to put a scholarship together through the podcast. So that was really fun. Uh, that was something that came out of it. But like you said, to, to be able to balance all this stuff is difficult, but we're hockey people, man. Like I said earlier, we adapt and overcome. That's what we do. Uh, I'll get it done. Uh, I, I think the podcast is here to stay. The, the, the response I've gotten from the players has just been unbelievable. Um, they love coming on. Uh, I, I, love being a different sector of the CTHS hockey uh, family team. And uh, I've just gotten great support from my, my guys over there as well. So the podcast will live on, we'll figure it out. And uh, I'm just, I'm pumped to to keep moving forward with that and keep moving forward with that scholarship. I was going to say, you get a lot of, I think it's pretty cool seeing that a lot of the players tweeting at you, you're retweeting them. Like you've got, a buzz around the kids that come on and their whole team and their teammates, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, man. That's what it's all about. It's about them. It's about their creating their own positive energy and uh, being supportive of everybody that comes on. And if you want to come on, guess what? You're welcome. That's basically yeah. the, uh, that that's, that's the motto at the uh, high school hockey podcast. You know, you want to come on, you want to talk about your team. You want to throw down the gauntlet. I mean, I had the greatest one last podcast where uh, one of the, the girls from uh, ETB, which is uh, East Catholic and another uh, bunch of other schools, she threw down the gauntlet to Simsbury. She said, Simsbury is that we got them. They're our rival. We have them again this year and we're coming for you. And I was like, yeah, this that's is awesome. what this is about. I'm Mary McKiernan from ETB Storm. I'm like, that's my girl right there. Yeah. And it's friendly and she was respectful, She, you know, but same thing. Let's create a buzz. Let's get some hype around this game. Let's get some people watching this game. That's what it, that's what it's about. We have uh, and then on the other side with the boys, we had BBD Bethel Brookfield, Danbury, uh, one of our guys, CTHS hockey, Tim kind of been pushing for them to be number one in D three. Cause we do our own power five rankings mm-hmm. and uh, he had put them number one first. So they've been in Tim, we trust all year. So there's been a buzz uh. around Tim, <laughs> Tim supporting them and other guys not putting them in first. And I had their guys on the podcast. I haven't released it yet. It's coming up from Bethel Brookfield. It's going to be a classic. They just start going on a rant about uh, Tim putting them uh, rank number one and yeah. uh, Kevin, Kevin, it's in Tim, we trust and Kevin didn't put them in first and this guy that, it, but that's why we do it you know what i mean it's for it's for them it's to create a buzz around their games uh and to create some hype for them and they, and they just been they just been amazing they just been uh doing what they do and we're just happy to put a spotlight on them really we we don't do much except for pro- provide them the platform to be them themselves yeah you guys got a awesome an awesome thing you guys are doing because it's there's no coverage like this for high school hockey you see it for football you see it for basketball and you see it for baseball. And those are the big three. And while I do love watching those sports, I think that there should be something like you guys are doing for hockey. And you guys have it right here. I think it's pretty cool. Well, we appreciate all the online support. Um, whenever we go into a rink, it, it never fails. A parent pulls us aside and thanks us and tells us, you know, um, thank you for doing that. I've had times where I couldn't be at the game and this is the best way to follow through Twitter. And you guys, mm-hmm. it's almost like being there or next to being there or seeing it on live bar and I can at least keep track of what's going on or 
you know, this a relative from here can at least track it on Twitter if they don't have Live Barn or they keep up with the games or the recognitions. And that's what it's about for us. It's just putting those kids out there, giving them a platform, giving them the the smoke, all the all the shine, all the all the uh, glory we can give them. Because as you know, you know, after high school, you know, the the paths start to spread out. So this yeah. might be the, their last chance, and, and we respect that. We respect that. Hockey's different. We've had kids say, like, why can't you do this for baseball? Because there's over 100 baseball teams. You know right. what I mean? It'd be, it's too much. Football, same thing. Game time does a really good job. H&IB does a really good job covering hockey. But I think we do something that's just different. You're if narrowed they, in on hockey. Game time does – they do – they're very broad. And like you said, they have good coverage. But uh-huh. if you're a high school hockey fan or a high school hockey parent in the state of Connecticut, you – should love what you guys are doing because if you guys are narrowed in 365. This is what you guys are going to be doing. That's pretty much where I, where I feel like we, we kind of rise above is that we are hockey people doing hockey, you know, 24, seven, 365 passionate hockey lifers. There's really no other way to describe it. You know what I mean? We eat, sleep and breathe hockey. And you know, that's what you get with CTHS hockey. And I, I don't see anything else out there with any other sport. Like you said, those other platforms, they do a great job. They cover a lot of stuff. They, you know, they might be a little bit more high tech than us. And we love those guys. We interact with those guys. Um, a lot of those reporters, but we are, I think we have something special. Yeah, absolutely. So coming to the end, I see the Craig Janey Jersey in the back right behind you there. The goat greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. That's my number one. That's my, that's my man. That's uh you know, you can't say a bad thing about uh, Craig Harlan Janney. That's odd. I love that jersey. You couldn't get a Whalers one, huh? I have plenty of Whalers ones, brother. I got <laughs> I could I could Whalers you to death. I got oh, Whalers okay. ones back here. I got Ron Francis in the corner. Yeah. I got oh yeah, man. I'm 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 loaded, but I got I do other oh, Janney jerseys over there. <laughs> That's, that's my fault for questioning you on that. No, nah, man, no. Nah, yeah, this this is uh, this is uh, hockey central down here, and uh, Craig Jandy central. So yeah, but um, if you don't mind, if, if before we go, um, thank you to everybody on the scholarship. We um, yeah. just real quick, I wanted to touch on it. Thirty uh, one thousand one hundred thirty one dollars. We're going to give away to a high school uh, hockey senior, rostered senior, and a whole ton of hockey swag, hats, shirts, sticks, tapes, uh, whatever whatever we could, we accumulated. And uh, we're going to be able to do that 500 words or less essay. They're going to get it into me by March 13th. And we're going to um, look at the essays and award one winner for that $1,131. And they uh, able to do that through the podcast and our great listeners and great fans at CTHS Hockey. Love that. Love it. Well, now will you try to make that a yearly thing? Through yes, def- definitely. Uh, we had Enfield Youth Hockey jump on board as one of our sponsors, and uh, it's just taken off. And we're going to try to do it every single year. And hopes are for next year that I do one for the for the ladies and one for the, for the guys. That's awesome. Love love to hear that, especially in a time where it's very uncertain for high school athletes uh, where they're going to be playing in college. So. Like I said, you guys are doing God's work out there for the ho- the hockey community in Connecticut. Yeah, I appreciate it, Andrew, man. And uh, anything uh, we could do together, you definitely be sure to let me know. And thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Hope to get you back on soon. Where can everybody find you on uh, social media, Coach? 
at CTHS Hockey Jesse. And uh, you can start off there, and then you can follow all my guys at CTHS Hockey. Look at my profile. We have every single person you want to follow, everybody, because sometimes we spread out. And uh, over the course of the last three years, we were able to cover, I think two years, sorry, every we went to at least one game for every single team in the state of Connecticut and covered them live. I like that. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate you coming on. We'll talk soon. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Thank you for listening to this episode of the My Parents Office podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes we're going to be putting out, guys. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Coach Peters. Now we've got some prop bet stuff for the NCAA wrestling tournament and a free agency recap. Thanks, guys. Andrew, who do you think is the least likely person to get taken down in the NCAAs? We'll both give our ones and maybe we'll pick like a top three and then go from there. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we're both in agreement that it's Gable. Um. Yeah. I I just don't see – I mean, you, we talked about this before, like a couple days ago. Um, it's going to be very tough to take him down. He, you said he hasn't been taken down all year. No. So, it, he feels like the clear cut, especially like the second-seeded guy, he dismantled Major. Mason Paris. He, he destroyed him, um, made him look like a child on the mat. So, it – he's I, I think he's the clear-cut favorite um because he can he's so much better at scrambling too if he does get into a situation with other heavyweights that he's going to usually win he's so quick he's so strong he's just there's no weakness in his in his attack my number two is michael kemmer um really yeah his neutral offense is is Neutral defense, I'm sorry. His neutral defense is phenomenal. Um, I His close matchups this year, I don't really think I've seen him getting taken down. I could be misremembering, but I don't believe so. Um, that dude, just, he's going to be like – neither of us picked him to be in the finals, which is kind of dumb. I think we both just picked it based on a little bit of favoritism of who Absolutely. we just want to see in the finals. I'm yeah. a huge Kemmer fan, but it would – he honestly could potentially major his way into the finals. Um, no doubt. Taken down at all. Even if he does lose a match, I see it being like hypothetically written out or something. Yeah, that's probably the only way it happens. Um, if I had to pick another guy, I'd pick Deacon, I think. Um. I just think because he's so good on top that if he's able to get a takedown early um, and then just ride his guy out pretty much, I there's his top off. And the same a guy that's very similar to that is Dayton Fix is he's good in neutral, but his most dominant position is when he's on top. So I wouldn't be surprised if either of those guys – fell into that category. Um, I mean, 33, the guys are a lot more athletic, so it would be a lot more difficult, especially if he wrestles RBY in the finals, which is, fingers crossed, what is going to happen. Um, but then for Deke, I think Deacon has a better shot than Dayton Fix does. At winning or? No, no, not- no, at not getting scored on, not getting taken down. I don't know. In folk style, I believe him and Hayden, I do see high, I don't even know what I picked. 
I do see Deacon winning the whole thing, but compared to him and Hydley, I don't see a huge difference. So if I was told that Hydley took down Deacon in the finals, that's not going to blow my mind. Do I see him winning? I still see Deacon winning, but it doesn't blow my – like if, if I heard Spencer Lee got taken down, that would blow my mind. I mean, I'm sorry, that would not blow my mind because we've seen it happen. We if saw you heard Gable got taken down, that would be kind of mind-blowing. What? I said if you saw that Gable got taken down, that would be kind yeah. of mind-blowing. Yeah, if we heard Spencer lost, that would be surprising. That would be insane if he lost. Same thing with Deacon right now. I see him winning the whole thing, but I can also see him getting taken down. Even in a previous match, even if it's not highly, I can get him. I can see him getting taken down if he ends up facing like a David Carr. Because I don't is Carr third, probably right. Yeah. So I had. I mean, Carr and highly. If he, I think either one of those guys he wrestles in the finals, that is going to be a super entertaining match. Um, I have Carr in the finals. You have Hydley. Um, I just think overall, I think Deke. I think we both have Deacon winning, and like we're pretty set on that we think Deacon's gonna win but either either one of those guys he wrestles is gonna give him a run for his money all right who is more likely to major throughout the whole tournament Spencer or Gable Gable Rick why I just look at where has finished every match Spencer has not gotten a six-minute match this year I just look at what seven minutes. Sorry, seven. did to Mason Paris this last time, and he just looks like he's firing on all cylinders right now. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if Spencer does it. I'm not, I, but I think Gable, just because who's in his way, Colton Schultz will probably be the guy in the semis. Maybe Mason Paris. I just he could have a match early on that he minors a guy, like just guy stalls out or something, but. I like the odds of Gable doing it. Um, well, they both right now have uh, – one moment, I'm sorry. Um, pulling up the brackets. Yeah, no problem. Uh, we Right now, both guys have 100% bonus this year. But um, Gable has majors, opposed to Spencer, where he has not gotten a full seven-minute match. Mm-hmm. I'm saying – well, but so is the question, is he going to tech his way through or is he going to major his way through? Well, major, but I just mean – I'll rephrase. Who's more likely to get bonus points for the whole – to the finals? Through Spencer the finals. Lee. Okay. I could see Spencer Lee picking up a pin early on or a pin or two just because he's so much stronger. I think he's going to have a pin and a tech in this tournament. No, but I'm saying bonus points every match. Yes, no, I know. And I'm saying I think okay. he's going to pick up a pen and attack, but I also think he's going to major his way through. I, I know what you're – I understand the question, yeah. Who do we have – who did you have on the bottom half against Spencer? Who did we have? <laughs> um, I took Camacho, I think. Oh, I picked Ragason. Yeah, you picked Ragason. I picked Camacho. I don't believe um, he has faced Camacho, meaning Spencer Lee. Um, No, he. I don't think he has. And- Ragason, he teched. I believe it would be the same outcome roughly against Camacho. Connecticut Pride. Um, all right, give me some other questions. What do we got? Um, so I'm just looking at our finals. We have 
I think two that are similar. Fix versus RBY, we both have Fix winning. Brooks versus Hydley, we have Brooks winning. Uh, Brooks is also my number three for not getting taken down. Really? Yeah. Um, and then we have Ironman Seabass, but you have Seabass, I have Ironman. So I think we both have Seabass Iron. We both have Seabass Ironman. Yeah, we just have different winners. Damn, we have disrespect on Nick Lee. That, can- I, that weight could be the most exciting in this whole tournament, I think. Again, I think 141 doesn't have the most depth, but I think it has the best one, two, three. Yeah, I think it has the most possibly four with Tariq. Chad, no. Tariq Wilson and Chad Red. Chad Red. I would I would agree with you if I didn't see Ironman Chad Red twice this year. Yeah, I mean, I just look at like other brackets, other weights that the top four guys there. You're not gonna find a better four. Well, Gable, Paris, Cassiope. Who's for the heavyweight? Stencil. Is he really? Um no, wait, Stencil might be the five, actually. Uh Schultz is the four. Who's undefeated this year? Yeah, Stencil's the five so have- because I have Stencil in the finals. So all right, so we're gonna compare. Um Honestly, you can make an argument for – actually, not really. We're going to compare 285 to 141 for the first four. So, Ironman, Gable. Right yeah. now, undefeated. I, I'd still take Gable. No, I know. Well, you're saying Gable would be Ironman? I would hope so. Well, no, no. I'm saying just, like, overall. I'm saying, like, if we're comparing well, – we're saying – you said the one through four is tougher than – one through four and one forty one is tougher than one through four and heavyweight, right? Yeah. All right. So I agree with you, but they're very it's very interesting. Um so one for one forty one Ironman, one for one forty one well, for I think it's gonna be a more exciting weight class because of the one through four that they have, even the one through five that they have at one forty one compared to any other weight class in this whole tournament. Heavyweight is interesting. Number one at both, undefeated. Yeah. Two at both, only loss is to number one. Mm-hmm. Number three, uh, Cassiope has lost to both uh, Gable and Paris. Number three, Nick Lee has only lost to Ironman. Number four, okay. heavyweight, undefeated. Number four, um. 141, only lost to Ironman. Yeah. Who, are you talking about Chad Redd or uh, Tariq Wilson? Wait, who's number four? Tariq Wilson. Is he also that Okay, he's also undefeated. That's wild. Yeah. So they're very – they're pretty much mirrored to each other. Yeah. I'm just – like, if you had to – if heavyweight – say, like, hypothetical – Heavyweight finals are going on and 141 finals are going on. Or 141 semis and heavyweight semis are going on. Which one are you watching is what I put it down to. I'm just thinking 141 is going to be a lot more exciting. 141 is more exciting because the number one and number two are closer to each other in skill. Yeah. At heavyweight, there's a drop-off between Gable and then Paris, Cassiope, Schultz. No. There's two drops. Well, yeah. Gable here, Paris here, and then – 
down here is Cassiope, Stencil. No, I wouldn't even – it's three drops. Cassiope has only lost to one and two. So, Gable, Paris, Cassiope, four through eight. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that's why I think it's going to be better is because you could look at – you could make an argument for Nick Lee, Jaden Ironman, or Seabass to win a national title this year. Correct. So – We need a, we need. We need a three-sided coin. If anyone can find one, send oh, it to, yeah, that, that would be ideal right now. To the my parents' office PO box. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that would be ideal to have that to figure out who's gonna make the finals out of those three. What if we're completely wrong? What if like none of them make the finals? Then I'm gonna cut off my arm. Do you put that would would you put that bet down if not yes. if Nick Lee, Seabass, and Jay Nyerman? One of them does not make the finals. You will cut your arm off. If the NCAA tournament happens and all of them don't win, I'll cut off my arm. All of them don't win, you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? If none of them win, no. <laughs> win the whole thing. Oh, so you're predicting you not even to make the finals. You're predicting one of the three will win it. And if yeah. not, you'll cut your arm off. One of those three, if they don't win, I'm cutting my arm off. All right. I will take your word for it. <laughs> but um, the, the finals has to happen. Yes. Yeah. Do you think the finals are in doubt? No, but like I'm saying hypothetically, like COVID outbreak, NCAA doesn't happen. Uh-huh. Don't say that. Don't say that. Please don't say that. That would be such a fucking bummer if that happened. Oh, two years in a row. Could you imagine that? That would be so disappointing. So 125 through heavyweight. What do you think has the closest in skill one through eight or like one through six? 25. Because... I say 25 because there's a drop off. Spencer Lee rest. Yes, but heavyweight you have Gable, Paris, Cassiope, and Stencil. Well, I was thinking 97. Oh, did you say 97 or heavyweight? Oh no, no, I said 125 through heavyweight. Oh, I thought you were saying one of the two. Um, I mean, 65 is pretty good. Um, I would say five, I would say I would say five or ninety-seven, probably. One um, six. So sixty-five. Hold on, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm trying to pull it up right now to see who we got here. Sixty-five. We have Marinelli at one. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What is going on? Copyrighted now. All right, so we have Marinelli at one, Valencia at two. Did you have an ad going? No. I must have been on my end. Well, that might that might have been picked up on the Zoom. It was on your end. Was it? Could you hear it? Yes. Oh Jesus. Makai four. Cut that part out. Three. I would. I'm not. I'm not against the answer being 165 on that bottom half. It's pretty legit. 
lot of outcomes who can get into heavy or to get into the finals with Valencia, Travis Whitlake, Kennedy Monday, Cam Amin, Jake Wenzel. I think I had Keegan O'Toole. Jeez. Yeah, it's pretty legit. Wait, where's Keegan? There he is. So um, picking 65 or 97 there. Uh, 97, we have Amin, who's still undefeated. Um, Schultz, Eric Schultz. I, I can't wait to watch AJ Ferrari. Um, I'm picking 65. I'm picking, I mean, you can say 84, too, because one, two, no, never mind. I'm going 65. Feels like a no-brainer. Is it you got you argue that or ninety-seven? I don't. I really don't think any other weight. All right. Well, at one eighty-four, there's three guys in the top four that are undefeated. But rest of, look at rest of the bracket. I mean, you look at that top three. The top three is very persuading. But look at the rest of the bracket and the rest of the wrestlers in that. All right. Let's look at the rest of the bracket. Rocky Jordan could Taylor Benz tough. Um. Nelson Brands, it depends what kind of tournament he's having. Um, Cobra, eh. uh, your boy, Carter Keckheisen, who we were just talking about. Yep. Uh, Zach Bronigal, tough guy. Um, Poznanski, Rutgers, you can have an upset. Trying to, yeah, yeah, you're right. So I think that'll wrap up our wrestling talk for this episode. Um, before we do that, we've got free agency opened up in the NFL today. Uh, the Patriots really went at it in free agency. They signed they went at, they pretty much addressed every need other than quarterback that was an issue for them. They picked up nose guard Devon Godchow from the Dolphins, tight end Johnny Smith from the Titans. Um, wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, DB Jalen Mills, Kendrick Bourne they signed. I mean, Bill Belichick was handing out money. Joe Tooney signed with the Chiefs. Um, Daniil Hunter, sadly for my Vikings, may be holding out um, to get a new contract, which I'm super disappointed about. Um, Pat Elfline signed with the Panthers today, guard, which as a Vikings fan, I know he's not very good. He got $13 million over, I think, three years. All-Pro center Corey Lindsley just signed with the L.A. Chargers. That's a huge win. I think he got six, five years, 64, 62 million. Uh, Samson Abukum signed with the Niners. Um, and there's just going to be more to come between now and when you hear this episode. Uh, rumors that Sam Darnold could get traded to Seattle. Corey Davis signed with the Jets, so... Just keep an eye out on free agency because it's it's going to be a wild one this year, especially with the draft coming up and how deep this year's draft is.